one of the most beautiful human acts is seen in the process of adoption, adopting a child. Not every story is a happy ending, but there are many, many stories that end in good and loving and beautiful relationships. An abandoned child, an almost aborted baby, an unready mother, an infertile couple, a family in poverty, and so many other situations that seem hopeless are often turned beautiful through the adoption of a child. Adoption underscores so many themes. It underscores themes of hopelessness and redemption and compassion and hopefulness and so much more. Would you please turn in your copy of the Scriptures to the book of Romans? It's the sixth book of the Christian New Testament, and it can be found on page 796 of the Pew Bible. This is the 50th message from our study in the book of Romans. It's the last of our, of, our, of our study in the book of Romans for 2021. Romans is a book that unfolds some of the many facets of the undeserved, the unmatched, and the unstoppable gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a book that teaches that the gospel is the power of God to salvation. It's a book that teaches that the gospel is a a matter of being justified by God, not by our works. The gospel assures us of our standing with God. In fact, that's the section that we are in right now, chapters 5 through 8, where we read of and we study and we understand the assurance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you please follow along as I read from God's word from Romans chapter 8. I'm going to begin at the very beginning of the chapter. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirits. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weakened through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirits. For they that are of the flesh, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirits. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his, or he does not belong to Christ. Verse 10. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He that raised Christ from the dead shall also quicken or make alive your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. 
But if through the Spirit you do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage, again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself, or the Spirit, more accurately, Himself, bears witness, witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. And of children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. There is an incredibly wealthy theological truth presented to us in this passage. In fact, we could spend weeks on just these three or four verses. Don't worry, we're not going to do that. But we could. That's how beautiful it is. This theological truth is so foundational and transformative that J.I. Packer calls it, and I think this quote, is, this quote is on the front of your bulletin, he calls it the highest privilege that the gospel offers. Higher even than justification. That is a high standard. Paul used the first four chapters to teach about the glory of justification by faith alone. Packer says that there is something greater. What is this highest privilege that outshines even justification? What is this highest privilege that the gospel offers? It's adoption. Being in God's family changes everything. Think about it. Being adopted by God changes my worship of God. What I think, how I respond to God. Being adopted, being part of God's family, it changes how I, how I do battle against the remaining sin while I'm still continuing on this earthly journey. Being in God's family changes my perspective about this earthly journey, not only in how I, how I deal with all of the darkness, but not only in how I deal with the remaining sin, but also in how I deal with all of the darkness around me. Your marital status, whether you're married or not, or whether your marriage is thriving or not. It, your being a parent or not being a parent, having children or not having children. Having a thriving relationship with your kids or not having a thriving relationship with your kids. None of those relationships, or any other relationship that you could point to in this, in this journey, none of those relationships are most important. The most important relationship that you have is being a child of God. It makes all the difference for this life and the next. Christian, for, for us, increased worship of God, encouragement in the despairing times of this earthly journey, godly obedience, those are just some of the blessings that result from an understanding of what it means to be God's child. Friend, if you've gathered with us this morning and, and you're not God's child, you have not been born again, you've never placed your faith in Jesus, you really just don't know what you are missing. It's a glorious experience that offers hope in the face of anything difficult that you could possibly face in this life. These few verses in Romans, we're just going to be here briefly this morning. We may come back to it again after the, after the new year. 
But these few verses teach us about the spirit of, of adoption. First, we learn that the Spirit's leading identifies the children of God. Look at verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Paul makes this massive declaration. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. If you are being led by the Spirit of God, then you have this privilege of being adopted by God. You have this privilege of being a child of God. Now that brings questions to our mind. What does it mean to be led by the Spirit? Well, let's remember the context. Paul is, is talking to the church. He's talking to believers. And we read it in verses 12 and 13. Those, those verses taught us that we owe nothing to the flesh. Rather, we are debtors to mercy. And that we are to put to death the deeds of the flesh. So precisely because we are now in Christ, we have new affections. We have new desires. We have new ways in which we want to live. So we understand, remember the helpless cry from, from Paul in, in the end of chapter 7, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Well, we understand that, and that resonates with us because we have the Spirit of God in us, leading us. We have new affections. Those are the Spirit's leadings in our life. That's what Paul is talking about here when he says those who are led by the Spirit of God. It's an if-then situation. If you are led by the Spirit of God, then you are sons of God. You are children of God. This harkens back to his assertion earlier in Romans when he taught us that we were united to Christ both in his death and in his resurrection. And Paul is not the only New Testament writer to teach, about, teach us about uh, being God's children. John also wrote much about it. We read from the prologue of John's gospel last Lord's Day. Listen to these two verses from John, John chapter 1. But as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Sonship, being a child of God, is, is a gift of God's grace. I mean, it's not like any of us can claim that we put ourselves into God's family. If we are in God's family, it's the result of God's kindness to us. He did that. He adopted us. It's a matter of grace. And then in 1 John chapter 3, we read of this kindness it says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear that we shall be, but we know that when we shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Being adopted by God is a display of the Father's eternal love. And that's what the Apostle Paul praised God for when he wrote to the church at Ephesus. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ Jesus with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Brothers and sisters, do you see what God has given to us by adopting us? Do you see the wealth of the benefits that are promised to any who are his children? 
Have you recently, in, in recent days, have you meditated on what it would be like to, 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 not, to, to not just to be justified, but also to be adopted? Or to think about what it means to be just justified and not adopted? Do you understand that being led by the Spirit of God identifies you as the very child of God? Do you see how the relationship has changed? Because you are part of God's family. When we consider those kinds of questions and we answer them in the affirmative, our hearts swell with gratitude to God. When we understand what God has done for us by making us his children, our, our response is, is increased and, and precise worship of God for who he is, for what he has done for us. You, wretched sinner, are a child of God. You who were once slaves and, and children of God's wrath are now a child of God's love. God, sinless God, God who is, who is perfect in all ways, has brought you into his family. God who owes you nothing has said, I want you to be mine. Beloved of Harvest Bible Church, sit back in reverential awe of your God. Sing to Him. Pray to Him. Read of Him. Meditate on Him. He has made you part of His family. Being in God's family changes everything. Being adopted by God changes our worship of God. The Spirit, the Spirit's leading identifies the children of God. But the passage goes on and we see that the Spirit's presence Fear frees the children of God. Look at verse number 15. For ye have not received, you have not received the spirit of bondage, again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. Paul reminds us that we have not received something, but that we also have received something. And both not receiving this and receiving this are both good news. It's like a coach who talks to his player after the game. You did not cause us to lose the game. In fact, you earned us the victory. We have not received the spirit of fear, but, but as God's children, we are not called to, to see him as a, as a harsh judge. We aren't called to, to have the spirit of fear where we're sitting and cowering in a corner, but to view God as our benevolent father. Both of those realities are good news for Christians. God did not save us in, in order that we would be his slaves out of a sense of, of duty. Rather, God saved us that we might be his sons in whom he delights. God wasn't looking for minions to rule over with a, with a, with a heavy hand. God was extending forgiveness and kindness and hope to those who do not deserve it. Isn't that what Paul told the church in Galatia? But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive adoption of sons. God's action of bringing us into his family was intended to relieve us from any attempts at law-keeping in order to gain God's favor for ourselves. He's not standing over us with a club. Rather, he's watching over us with great care. 
Slaves live in, in constant fear of consequences if they fail to carry out their obligations. Slaves have a constant fear of who their master is and what their master would do to them. And that's Paul's point. As children of God, we don't have to fear consequences of failing to live up to a particular law. We are free. Christians serve God not out of, out of fear and pressure, but out of thanksgiving to God. Therefore, a proper understanding of adoption, of being made part of God's family, will consequently shape how we live. It will shape our own conduct and the choices that we make when temptation comes our way. The Spirit's presence with us frees us. We're not bound to the law as a matter of being right with God. Instead, we seek to obey God because He has freed us. Isn't that what we read of in, in Matthew chapter 5? But I say unto you, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise in the e on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you and reward, what reward have ye? Do not the publicans do the same? And if ye salute your, your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans do so? Be therefore perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. The Spirit of God is inside you, not the Spirit of fear. Christians aren't called to sit back and be worried about what God's going to do to us for not keeping His law. No, Christians have the Spirit of God residing in us. His presence and His, and His promises spur us on in our desire to please God. So while, yes, the struggle against sin is real, there is real hope. We are given hope precisely because we have been made sons of God. The Spirit is in us. His presence calls us to, to humble obedience of the one who has set us free. Christian, preach that reality to yourself every day. Preach it to yourself on a regular basis. When you are facing temptations to sin, remind yourself that you have not been given a spirit of fear, but you have been given the spirit of God. When sexual temptation is present in your heart and mind, remind yourself that the spirit of God is present with you. You have been freed from your bondage to sin, and you can now serve God with your body. When your heart becomes so discouraged at your failure because you have sinned over and over and over. When your heart becomes so discouraged about your sin, remind yourself that God does not rejoice in your failure. God is not ready to pounce on you because of your sinful choices. Rather, He stands ready to forgive because of Christ's shed blood on the cross. God is not grudging in his forgiveness. He delights to offer forgiveness. He is merciful and he is tenderhearted and he is kind. And Jesus looked on his son and he said, I am, this is my son. He is well pleasing to me. And God looks on you if you are his child and he sees you as well pleasing in his sight. Christians, let us do well to remember that we have not been given the spirit of fear, 
but we have been given the spirit of adoption. We have been made children of God. The Spirit's leading identifies the children of God. The Spirit's presence frees the children of God. And thirdly, we see that the Spirit's testimony comforts the children of God. There is so much comfort for distraught souls that can be found in these verses. Christian, let not your heart be troubled. Listen to this truth again. Verse 15, For you have not received the spirit of bondage, again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Adoption means that a Christian is, is the recipient of God's of father, his fatherly care. We can pray confidently, knowing that it is our Father who hears us. And it is our Father who is able to do all things. That's why we can come boldly. That's why we can pray confidently, because of who we are praying to. Adoption includes the Father's goodwill for his children. We often talk about the legality and, and how the word justification is a, is, it carries legal terms and it's, you know, it's being declared righteous. God declared us to be righteous. And that's a glorious truth. And that's a reality. But there's even more. Packer, in his book, Knowing God, he says it this way. Adoption is a, is a family idea conceived in terms of love and viewing God as Father. He says, in adoption, God takes us into his family and fellowship. He establishes us as his children. Closeness, affection, and generosity are at the hearts of the relationship. And then Packer says this, To be right with God the judge is a great thing, justification. But to be loved and cared for by God the Father is greater, adoption. He is our Father. There is fellowship for us. There is affection for us for us. There is generosity for us. That is who our Father is. Maybe you have had poor experiences in this life with your, with your Father. A Father maybe who has hurt you or disappointed you in ways that you could never fathom without actually having lived through it. I'm here to tell you this morning that there is a Heavenly Father who will never disappoint. There is a heavenly Father who only has your good in mind for you. There is a heavenly Father who is generous and forgiving and loving and kind always. Abba, Father. No matter how dark the situation in your life seems today, no matter how many relationships you've messed up or how many relationships you've not had that you wish you've had, no matter what sickness has riddled your body, no matter any earthly circumstance that hurts, you can be comforted with the reality that you have a Father in heaven who has loved you infinitely. He has loved you from before the foundation of the world, and He will love you into all of eternity. This morning I'm thinking about my brothers and sisters in Kentucky and Illinois and other states who lost loved ones and livelihoods as a result of the storms on Friday night. I'm thinking about my brothers and sisters in the country of Lebanon who wonder where their next meal will come from. 
I'm thinking about my brothers and sisters in the persecuted church around the world who understand that their faith may result in their torture. I'm thinking about Grace Wiesner, who lost her husband after 48 years of marriage. I'm thinking about HBC members who grieve that their children have walked away from their profession of faith. I'm thinking about members of HBC that even today despair of life. The darkness is so strong for them. I'm thinking about members of HBC that have faced cancer and Parkinson's and dementia and amputation and other medical hardships. I'm thinking about all of us children of God who feel that the world is broken. And when I think about this, and I come to this text, I'm reminded that the Spirit testifies with us that we belong to God. Therefore, as God's children, we have comfort. I am His, and He is mine. The Holy Spirit testifies with us that we are the children of God. Friends, lasting comfort is not found in a pint or in a pill. Lasting comfort is not found in the physical pleasures of of food or of sex. Lasting comfort is not found in the success of career or or a a mass of cash. Lasting comfort is found only in the God of all comforts. The spirit of adoption bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. God longs for us to come to Him. We have fellowship with the Father. We have been reconciled to God Almighty. He is our Father. We have the Spirit of the Father in us, testifying that we belong to God. And that is comfort that lasts. So whatever your sorrow is this Lord's Day morning, be comforted with the reality that if you are God's child, the Spirit resides in you. That if you are God's child, you have all of the benefits that were yielded to Christ. You are God's child. Being in God's family changes everything. Being adopted by God changes my worship of God. It changes my fight against the remaining sin while I continue this journey. And it changes my perspective as I, as I see the darkness and the hardships and the sorrow of this, of this world. I'd like to close this morning by asking some questions of reflection that I found in, in Packer's book on knowing God and his chapter on adoption. Ask yourself this question, these questions this morning. Do you value your adoption? Do you remind yourself of the privilege it is to be God's child? Do you treat God as your heavenly father, loving, honoring, and obey him? Do you think about how close he is to you, how completely he understands you, and how much he cares for you? Harvest Bible Church, let's be reminded of the high privilege it is to be children of of God. May our worship increase as His Spirit leads us. May our fight with sin, our flight away from sin, increase as His Spirit lives in us. And may our comfort in this life increase 
as his spirit testifies of us. Let's pray.